0: In a sermon a few months ago, I referenced a book by the name of Love Does, written by the author Bob Goff. And Bob is a fascinating storyteller and a relentless encourager of other people. And in his book, he tells a story that he is calling an example of audacious love. Apparently, Bob, Bob's house backs up to a waterfront path, and quite often, he and his wife sit on the back porch, and, and they watch the people who walk by the path, and, and oftentimes wave to them, and they wave back to him. One afternoon, as Bob was sitting there on the back porch, there was a, a young man, he could tell, out there on the path who kept waving to him as if he was trying to catch their attention. Finally, Bob walked back to the porch, and, or back to the path, and the young man introduced himself. The young man's name was Ryan. And after he introduced himself, there was kind of a few moments of awkward silence until finally Ryan asked. He said, I'm planning to propose to a young lady that I've been dating for a while, and I was wondering if I could use your back porch as the setting for that proposal. Bob agreed. But not only did he agree and the plans were set, but for the next several weeks, Ryan came back several more times, adding to his request. He came back and he said, not only can I use your back porch for that proposal, but would it be okay if we have dinner ahead of time there on the back porch? He came back a few weeks after that and he said, would it be okay if I bring a few of my friends over to to fix dinner at your outdoor kitchen and they would serve us? There was 20 of his friends he brought. He came back a few weeks after that and he said, would it be all right if we set up some speakers on the back porch? Because after dinner, we could have a dance together before the proposal. He came back one more time and he asked Bob if he could, if he would be willing to take the two of them out on his boat. And there in the middle of the water, he would get down on his knees and then he would pop the question. Now, amazingly, every time Ryan showed up with an additional part to the request, Bob agreed. But not only that, he did one better. One of Bob's friends works on a firefighting ship. And he made arrangements for the ship to be in position behind his boat. So that when Ryan got down on his knees, proposed to the young lady, she said yes. Bob would give the signal, the lights would go on, and the water cannons would fly. Now as I read that story, I'm thinking, what an incredible guy Bob is. I mean, he's got a wonderful last name, right? I guess it just runs in the family. But as Bob writes about this story in his book, he marvels at the kind of love Ryan showed toward this young lady he wanted to spend the rest of his life with. And here's how Bob ends the story. Ryan's love was audacious it reminds me of those parts of the Bible where Jesus talks about how much he loves his bride, the church. Ryan's audacious love is some of the best evidence i found of the kind of love Jesus talks about. A love that never grows tired or has never finished finding ways to fully express itself. Audacious love. Do you know what the meaning of the word audacious is? Audacious means a willingness to take a surprisingly bold risk. And you have to admit that Ryan took a surprisingly bold risk to ask a complete stranger if he could use the back porch as the setting for his proposal. Maybe one of the reasons that that story has captured me so much is that it is both convicting and compelling. Because couldn't we all use a little more audacious love in our life? And I say that because it's pretty easy to become disillusioned these days, isn't it? With some of the problems and politics, some of the chaos and corruption going on. It's too easy to lose a sense of hope when you look at the direction some things are headed these days. It's too easy to become callous and cynical and and just not care anymore. So maybe, just maybe, that's why what the Apostle Peter wrote here in what we heard tonight is so applicable for us today. Because if anyone is going to make a difference in life, if anyone is going to offer hope in life, If anyone is going to show what truly audacious love is, then shouldn't it be the church? Shouldn't it be the people of God? Shouldn't it be the body of Christ? Shouldn't it be us? You see, even when it becomes tempting to just get skeptical about life, here comes the Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, urging us to live by love. And it has to start. It has to start here. So what does that look like? Well, I think there's a number of things that we could pull out from this reading tonight. But, but I want to highlight at least three things. And the first is what I'm calling a general approach to life. And here, Peter uses a five-fold description of characteristics. He starts with what he calls be like-minded. Be (laughs) like-minded. Sounds like a bit of a stretch right off the bat, doesn't it? If you pick any topic these days, pick any topic, Economy, education, the climate, politics, sexual identity, artificial intelligence, vaccinations. Is any group of people going to be of one mind? Hardly. But here's what the Apostle Peter is getting at for the people of God. This is what the church cannot lose perspective on. We are to be like-minded. We are to be of one mind when it comes to the authority and truth of God's Word. When it comes to the person and and actions of of Christ as our Savior. When it comes to the way of salvation. When it comes to the sheer fact that if there's going to be any hope in life at all these days, it has to come from God. Here is where we have to have one mind. One mind focused on Jesus. Jesus. Next, Peter calls for us to be sympathetic. That word sympathetic comes from two words, pathos, which means to feel, and sum, which means together. So sympathy is to feel the same thing together. In other words, the body of Christ, there is to be no one that is isolated. There is to be no one that feels like an island. Because your sorrow is his sorrow. Your grief is their grief. Rejoice with him who rejoices. Mourn with him who mourns. It's what we do. It's what we are to be as the people of God. But that's usually not what we see out there in the world, is it? What we tend to see is that if there are differences, we'll just cancel the other person. If there's something you don't like, protest against it or walk out. The people of God have to be different. Peter says, love one another. Actually, the kind of love that he mentions here is, is what is best translated as brotherly love. It's the kind of love that, that maybe a member of a family would have for somebody else in the family. And I say that even realizing how messy families are at times. But maybe one of the reasons that Peter uses this word, this expression, is that it was his own brother Andrew who introduced him to Jesus. Now, perhaps growing up, Peter and Andrew might have been at odds with each other, just like any siblings would have been at odds with one another. But he loved his brother enough to want him to know Jesus. That's brotherly love. Next, be compassionate or tender hearted. Maybe you remember in the ancient world, it was believed that our deepest emotions come from deep. Down inside of us, literally our gut. That's why someone might say, if you're trying to figure out something in life, well, what does your gut tell you? Or if you're nervous about something, the expression usually is, I got butterflies in my stomach. Our gut is our deepest, is where our deepest emotions come from. And the point Peter is making here is how important it is for the people of God to have deep, deep concern for one another. Not to quickly judge one another. Not to point fingers at one another. Not to attack one another. Because after all the church, we have to remember, the church is a place for the walking wounded. And if the church is a place for the walking wounded, the walking wounded have to feel safe. That's compassion. There are five things that Peter says that are to be our general approach in life. The fifth thing that he mentions is to be humble, and actually I think that leads to the next major section that Peter talks about here, which I'm calling having a gracious response. And as difficult as that might be at times, here is where we have to be different than what we oftentimes see in the world. Peter says, Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. But that's not easy, is it? When my two sons were in high school, they both worked at a grocery store, and their job was bagging groceries. It wasn't at all uncommon for them to be assigned to a cashier by the name of Agnes. Now, Agnes was one of the older cashiers, and Agnes had a reputation. She was grouchy, she was rude, she was bossy. And it wasn't at all uncommon for for either one of them to come home from work at night being so frustrated with how she talked to them and treated them. And I can tell you that there were countless times after that that I wanted to get in the car, drive over there, and chew her out. But Laura stopped me every time. That was my natural response. But you know, if that's how the people of God always respond, how are we any different than anybody else? Maybe the reason that Peter wrote this is because he was remembering a situation he was once in. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. And in an effort to try to stop them, Peter pulls out his sword. And and against the servant of the high priest, he lops off his ear. Remember that? Well, Jesus didn't respond at that point. Way to go, Peter. Cut off the other ear. Instead, he said, put away your sword. Even as unjust as it was to arrest Jesus, that wasn't the right response. We don't have to repay evil for evil or insult for insult. That's how the rest of the world operates. On the contrary, Peter says, repay evil with with a blessing because this you were called so that you could inherit a blessing. Imagine the difference in life if revenge wasn't our first response. Imagine the difference in life if retaliation wasn't our first instinct. Imagine the difference if there was an attempt to bring a blessing. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Talk about inheriting a blessing, showing a generous response, is part of living by love with people around us. But how in the world, how in the world do you really do that? Maybe that comes down to what I would call God inspired motivation. In verses 10 to 12 of 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter quotes from Psalm 34. And in what he quotes from Psalm 34, there's one verse that I really want to lift up there, and it's the verse that says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Now, what that means is that the eyes of the Lord are on you because God has made you righteous. You and I aren't righteous because of anything we have done, but only because of what God has done for us. In your baptism, just like for Francis tonight, in your baptism, God put his name on you and placed his Holy Spirit inside of you. For all of eternity, God has written your name in the book of life. The death of Jesus happened with every single one of you in mind. The resurrection of Jesus took place so that you really would have hope in this life. And so he sent Jesus because his eyes are always on you. And that's audacious love. Remember what audacious means? A willingness to take a surprisingly bold risk. And what a bold risk. Jesus took when he sacrificed his life for you. And when you know that, when you trust in that, when you believe in that, when you embrace that with every ounce of your heart, then that becomes your God-inspired motivation to love God and to love others even in this imperfect, broken world. So in light of our focus these several weeks, Lord, count me in. It's not always easy to do it. Some days I don't know how I'm gonna do it. But count me in to love you, Lord, and to love other people. Count me in to be prepared to share the hope that I have. Count me in to take an active part in our church because if there's any hope in this world, then it's because of what the church does in touching the lives of other people. Count me in to be intentional and purposeful and generous and sacrificial in my giving of thanks to the Lord and my finances. As we receive audacious love from God, Lord, count me in to show audacious love to others. Because couldn't we all use a little bit more of that in life? And I think it has to start here. It has to start here. In Jesus' name, amen.